and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Most holy God, we praise you for the privilege we have of being in your presence this day, hearing your word proclaimed and being present when your sacrament is administered. We ask you, O Lord, that we might be open to your spirit to inspire us, to challenge us, to comfort us, and to send us on our way to be your people in the week ahead. In your holy and most gracious name we pray. Amen. Well, again, welcome to the season of Lent. It is a 40-day season, as you know, that leads to Holy Week. And it is often thought of as a journey, a preparation for Holy Week. It's inspired, of course, by Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness, where he was tempted by Satan, where he was um, supported by God in the midst of those temptations. It's also inspired by the 40 years that Moses and the Hebrew people traveled through the Sinai Peninsula on their way to the Promised Land. And so we today, as we consider these 40 days of Lent, we also see them as a journey. And typically we have emphasized the journey being an inward journey. So we focus on contemplation, on repentance, on honesty, on simplicity, on hope for an anticipated future, a promised land. For us, it's Holy Week, the cross and the open tomb, our ultimate promise, life eternal. So Lent has been an inward pilgrimage, an inward journey often for us. It is also, however, in the Bible and in many of our own lives, an outward journey. And by that, I mean a journey where we move from one place to the next. Almost every story in the Bible has something about people leaving one home and moving toward another home, literal home. Jesus in the wilderness, the Moses and the people of God going through the Sinai Peninsula. So throughout this coming season, that will be our theme, the theme of journey, inward journey, but also the outward journey. We have an artwork right behind me. It's a banner, and it has a globe, and it has a line there, a little artistic abstract representation of a journey. So there'll be an extra one put up there every Sunday as we read various stories from the Bible about journeys, about refugees, about people moving from one place to the other. And at the same time they're doing that, oftentimes people in that kind of a pilgrimage, that kind of movement, have an internal journey going on too. I mean, if you left your home and you're going to a brand new place, there are anxiety, there's stress, there's loss, a lot of things going on as we read these stories. We'll be reading about Abraham and Sarah. You've heard of them, right? Abraham and Sarah, they less Ur of the Chaldees, it's called. They had to travel hundreds of miles to their new home. So we'll read that story and we'll talk about what's going on inside them. We'll talk about how they are welcomed, how they are shunned. We'll talk about, and I hope you know these names, maybe you do, maybe you don't, Hagar and Ishmael. Remember those names? So Hagar and Ishmael, they were kicked out of the family. I mean, they were literally forced to leave. They ended up in the desert. God was still with them in the midst of the desert. We have the story of Joseph and his brothers who were refugees as well from famine in their land. They had to go down to Egypt where they received food and where they were welcomed graciously. We'll tell the story of the Syrophoenician woman who was on a real internal journey and found her good news, her Messiah in Jesus. 
And today we tell the story of Ruth and Naomi. It's a story some of you have heard before. And it's a story that has a double journey in it. There's a journey of movement as Ruth and Naomi seek out food because they're hungry, a safe place to live. But there's also an internal journey where they are struggling to find God's presence in the midst of all that's happening in their life. I found it interesting that we got a little insight into Naomi's internal journey. It was in the text today. I'm going to read a little bit of it to you again. And actually, I I had never really thought about this before, but they're giving us access to her struggles. Here's Naomi. She said, Call me no longer Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. Interesting. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? I mean, if you're a director, you'd have your actress saying that with a real bitter tone in her voice. But we had just read a moment ago from Ruth. Remember, Naomi says, you've dealt bitterly with me, Lord. You've left me alone. I've got nothing. And just a moment ago, Ruth has said, where you go, I will. Where you lodge, I will. Your people will be my. Your God will be my. So it's like the old joke, you know, where the man says, God, where were you when the catastrophe happened? Well, I sent all those people to help you. And here's Ruth sent on behalf of God to be present to Naomi. And Naomi missed it. It's a wonderful story about God's presence in the midst of the journey, inspiring us to look around ourselves to those people who are there for us that we may not notice and people that we may not suspect because the real point of this story is that Ruth was a foreigner. She was not one of the inside group. She was not saved. She was a Moabite. And she's the one through whom God worked. I mean, you translated that into today and we'll say, well, God is present to us in people we would never suspect. Open our eyes to see that presence. It was a story told on purpose to emphasize that Ruth was a Moabite. It was a story told on purpose because it was a subversive story. I mean, it sounds sweet. And you see it at weddings. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. All that business. Oh, it's very sweet. This was not a sweet story. It was a subversive story to the culture of 500 years before Christ. You want a little history lesson? It's the right answer. It's the right answer. So we go back 500 years before Christ. And at that time, the Jewish people were just returning from Babylonian exile. They came back to their city, Jerusalem. The temple was destroyed. The walls were down. The houses were in rubble. There was, the fields were not producing. And the people were coming back to rebuild their society. They were going to make Israel great again. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. Well, they were going to make their society strong. And they were going to build a community of God's people. Especially two leaders had this vision. Ezra, the religious leader, and Nehemiah, the political leader. 
They had a vision. They were going to rebuild this community. We're going to be great again. We're going to be like King David's community. And we need to do that with ethnically pure people. We're going to build up our group so we're going to be strong and withstand any outside influences. To be strong, you have to resist the outsider, the foreigner. Immediately, Ezra saw a problem. They came back to Jerusalem, and the Jewish men were starting to marry women who were not Jewish. They fell in love with foreign people. They would get married and then have children. Ezra, the religious leader, had a problem. How am I going to deal with that? That doesn't fit with our vision for a pure society. You know what he told them? He told the men, he gathered them all together, and he said, I want you to divorce your wives, and I want you to expel your children from our community, which they did. Read Ezra sometime. You'll be disgusted. Nehemiah, the political leader, also saw a problem in their society. Their city, Jerusalem, as I said, had no walls, and so people could come in from all over. And so you have in Jerusalem a polyglot of different languages. You had people of different cultures. You've got Egyptians there. You've got um, Ammonites there. You've got Edomites there. You've got Moabites there. You've got Cretans there. You've got Syrians there. You've got people from all over the world mixing together. There's no identity. Our community has no identity because we're mixed too much with other people. Solution? We need to build walls. And we'll build a wall right around our community, right around our city. And we'll have gates. And we'll only let in certain people to our community. Ezra and Nehemiah had that vision for their society. It's right there in the Bible. And if that's all you read about the Bible, you might want to put that into effect in your own culture. But the Bible has a way of critiquing Ezra and Nehemiah and visions like that. It always reminds me, the Bible does, of the confirmation kid in the back of the room that when you're up trying to teach and the kid zeroes in on something you wanted to skip over <laughs> kind of quickly and they raise their hand in the back and say, what about this, Pastor Mike? Are you sure that's right? And usually they're like, right on. The Bible does that too. It's like the Bible raises its hand from the back of the room and says, wait a minute, Ezra and Nehemiah. I have an issue with that vision for your society. I don't think that's God's vision. I think God's vision is diversity and inclusiveness and grace and compassion. The problem was the person in the back of the room had no political power. Ezra and Nehemiah, they had the power. So how do, you, how do you object to that vision? Well, this person wrote stories. Sometimes people would tell poetry. Sometimes people would sing songs. Today, we have read for you from the book of Ruth, which is one of those stories told by a storyteller in opposition to Ezra and Nehemiah. He tells the story, or she tells the story in such a way that it emphasizes Ruth as the God character. Ruth is the one who goes with Naomi. Ruth is the one who accompanies Naomi on her journey home. Ruth is the one who is the good person of God. Nobody can object to Ruth 
You tell the story in such a way, oh, this is what it means to be a godly person. And then the storyteller says, and she was a Moabite. She was a foreigner. That's the whole point of this story. In fact, in some places it says, Ruth, the Moabite from Moab. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, we get it. We get it. So the whole point of the story, hear this, Ezra and Nehemiah, we are about the business of creating a society not of exclusion, but a society that's open and respectful of all peoples, all cultures, all races, all languages. That's the kind of world God wants to create. Such is the beginning of our Lenten pilgrimage because as we journey towards Holy Week, we do so personally, individually, making our confessions along the way, but also we do so corporately. We go together in this journey and we lean into the promised land of Holy Week. It's not just the promise for us to go to heaven after we die, it's the promise of the society of which God would be proud and which God intended from the very beginning where all people would be together. Such is our journey, such is the beginning this day. Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, we praise you and give you thanks for the powerful word you have today about Ruth, about Ruth's love and loyalty and commitment and grace and dignity. She's you, O Lord. Help us to see the Ruths in our midst. Help us to be that person to those around us. Help us to tear down the walls and build the bridges instead. In your holy and most blessed name we pray. Amen. Page 8, stand as you're able.